Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, For 12 years, Massachusetts advocates have been pushing for a new comprehensive sex education bill to become law. But for 12 years, the Healthy Youth Act has floundered. But now supporters think the bill could pass as soon as this summer, especially since just last week, Governor Healy proposed new updates to Massachusetts' health education framework. Later in the show, the Roxbury International Film Festival celebrates its silver anniversary, 25 years of presenting diverse films. You know, it really is sort of like a puzzle to put it all together and and really look for things that we know our audience is going to be like, wow, I didn't know that. From film screenings to script readings, this year's festival tells stories from Boston's Black queer history to feel-good rom-coms to documentaries that inspire. But first, joining me, Jennifer Hart, Vice President of Education, Learning, and Engagement at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you. Also with me, Jacqueline Friedman, Chair of the Healthy Youth Act Coalition and Executive Director of Educate Us, a sex education advocacy organization. Hello, Jacqueline. Thanks for having us. Glad to have you. We invited Mass GOP but did not hear back. Republican State Senator Patrick O'Connor, who voted in favor of the bill in 2020, did not respond to our interview requests before deadline. Republican State Senator Ryan Fatman, who voted against the bill in 2020, declined to join. All right, let's begin this way uh, to both of you. I'll start with you, Jennifer. What is the state of sex education now in schools across the Commonwealth? Like, what do we have? We hope that the state of comprehensive sex education is strong in the Commonwealth, but the truth is that we don't, we don't really know, Um, which is why we really need the Healthy Youth Act passed so that we can ensure that young people in schools across the Commonwealth uh, are receiving comprehensive inclusive, LGBTQ plus inclusive, and consent-based sex education when they are receiving sex education. Uh, But Jacqueline, I don't think it's clear. Uh, It's certainly not clear to me. So I'm a student in a school now. What do I learn? Is someone teaching it or not? Um, What exactly am I learning or not? And then we can talk about what the Healthy Youth Act might provide differently. But so now, what am I learning? So that entirely depends on what school district you're in, what individual school you're in, and sometimes which teacher's classroom you're in. It is completely unregulated 
And that's why we don't really know, right? So um, in some school districts, they have policy on the book. So Worcester and Boston provide, for example, for great sex education that actually will be perfectly in line with the Healthy Youth Act when it passes. But in many communities, there's nothing on the books at all. And so you might get no sex and relationships education. You might get really harmful propaganda that teaches shame about girls and sexuality, LGBTQ students and sexuality. You might get misinformation or you might get good sex education. It's completely the luck of the draw. So it's not required uh, at this moment. No, it is not. Not at all. Okay. All right. Now, now let's turn to the Healthy Youth Act and how that would make a difference. So again, uh, Jennifer, how would that make a difference? Well, the Healthy Youth Act would ensure that when schools decide to teach sex education, that it be comprehensive, LGBTQ plus inclusive and consent based. Um, it would also allow um, the Department of, of Elementary and Secondary Education to be able to track schools um, to make sure that young people are getting the comprehensive sex education that they deserve um, within um appropriate frameworks and uh, and guidance of what comprehensive sex education is. Um, we know that um, parents and young people alike across religious and political divide want their young people to receive comprehensive sex education. And, and how do you know that? Uh, from different studies that have been done by our national experts in the sex education field, um, the percentages are are high, um, 80% or so of parents across religious and political divides want their, their young people to receive comprehensive sex education. And young people tell us in our groups, in our workshops, in our schools, that they want to be able to talk to their adults, the adults in their lives, uh, about these topics so that they can uh, receive all the information that they need to make the best decisions for their own health and safety. Jacqueline Friedman, uh, ch you're chair of the Healthy Youth Act Coalition, just to be clear. One of the things that the bill emphasizes that caught my eye is that it, it, the, it would have to, the, the, sec the comprehensive sex education, if passed through this bill, would have to provide accurate and age-appropriate information so let's talk about that for a minute, because there are many ages across the schools. And I think if people have fears about sex education being taught, one of the fears would be, oh, my God, they're going to, you know, give them what a high schooler would get or a college age student would get or an adult would get. But this bill clearly states it has to be age appropriate and it has to be accurate. Yeah, that's correct. And that means in younger grades, what we're teaching them is how to be a good friend, how to know who is a trusted adult you can talk to if somebody is being inappropriate toward you, um, what the names are of parts of your body, what what private parts you have the right to keep private. Um, you know, we're teaching them basic uh, consent skills, not even about sex or sexuality, but just like you don't have to give somebody a hug if you don't want to. So we're laying those foundational groundworks that we know and the research shows reduce bullying, reduce uh, the odds that a, a child might be uh, a victim of sexual abuse and not be able to speak up about it um, really 
are very protective for young people. Um, we're not, you know, in, in, we're not actually teaching about sex at all in the younger grades, which is why I often emphasize we're talking about sex and relationships education. In the younger grades, it's sort of more like end puberty also, right? Like what's going to go on with your body soon? Um, young people need to, to understand that. So it's very age appropriate. And if anybody has any concerns, um, I would just encourage them to check out the national sex education standards, which really outline how all of this stuff works. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of misinformation and fear out there, but in reality, sex and relationships education is very age appropriate and is the kind of stuff that you may want to talk to your kids about, but not know how. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm here with Jennifer Hart, Vice President of Education, Learning, and Engagement at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts, and Jacqueline Friedman, Chair of the Healthy Youth Act Coalition. We're talking about the Healthy Youth Act Bill. Now, here's the other thing. The way that the bill is structured, this would not be, just want to put this all on the table so people understand what's at stake not required of the schools. The schools can opt out. Parents can opt out. Talk about that, uh, Jennifer, and why is this a piece of the bill? Why do you think it was important to have this as part of the bill? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're right. The bill would not mandate that all schools across the state um, re be required to teach comprehensive sex education, but, but that schools who do choose to teach sex education, that it is comprehensive and, and inclusive and consent-based and age-appropriate in all the ways that the Healthy Youth Act states. And, um, you know, we are working across um, a wide range of, of needs across our Commonwealth. We have people who are, who are teaching really great sex education, and we have folks that you know, as Jacqueline mentioned, are, you know, piecemealing curricula together or, you know, teaching within shame and stigma and, and just not not providing fact-based information. And, and so we wanted to meet um, schools where they were at and, and be able to ensure that through the Healthy Youth Act as it's written, that when schools do decide to teach sex ed, that it, that it is the best comprehensive sex education that it can be. And again, as you said earlier, your statistics show that across the board, even across the ideological spectrum, um, parents are in support of teaching this. So you know that were it offered, your feeling is more schools, more parents would opt in rather than opt out. Yes, yes. We do feel like because we know parents and other caring adults want their young people to receive comprehensive, comprehensive sex education in schools, that, that they would opt their young people out if they didn't want that. Now, Massachusetts has an opt-out um, policy, and each school follows their own policies. So um, parents are always, as you know, we believe that parents and other caring adults are the primary sexuality educators of their own children. If they believe um, that they do not want their young people to receive this sort of education, or really any education that's offered in their school, um, that they can opt their child out of, of those lessons. So Jacqueline Friedman, because you are um, executive director of Educate Us, a sex education advocacy organization, I'm going to imagine you've uh, talked to a lot of students. And I'm curious to know, uh, over this decade, or maybe however long you've been in this position, 
What have you heard from them? Now, I mean, different from what Jennifer has said, that they would like to have the information. They'd like to have the conversation with caring adults. But I'm curious about what you hear in terms of the accuracy of what they understand about sex education and about what they understand about, you know, how it all happens and whether or not they've um, taken in falsehoods, been misled, completely confused. Where are they? Oh, my gosh. The questions that you get from young people about sex and sex education are heartbreaking and just an absolute testament to the need for a law like the Healthy Youth Act, right, to make sure that they're getting accurate and complete information in school. Um, Every sex educator um, that I know goes out with, um, whenever they teach classes, they make available anonymous questions um, because a lot of times, you know, the things that young people really want to know, they're afraid to ask in front of their peers. Um, And those questions show fundamental misunderstandings of how human biology works at a level that just breaks my heart consistently. And I will also say the reason I got into this work on sex education when I spent most of my career doing anti-sexual violence advocacy, as I think you know, um, is because I spent a lot of time when I was doing anti-sexual violence advocacy on college campuses because high schools wouldn't let me in, um, which is a different conversation. And I kept hearing from all the incoming freshmen on college campuses, this information you're teaching about consent, this idea about how to have healthy relationships and what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. I wish I had it six years ago. I I desperately needed this eight years ago. Like, why am I just learning this now? And um, it was really that continued drumbeat of sort of of desperation and regret for not having been properly taught that led me to think I'm failing right now if I'm just staying at the college level like young people need this information much much sooner and they're telling me that every day well I asked that question Jacqueline because I know listeners are thinking well it can't be that bad they probably know something and I wanted an opportunity to play uh, a little piece from a TikTok account called Row versus Bros, where they interview today's young men about sex education. How long does sperm live in the vagina? A uh, couple hours, I think, only. Nine months. Eight months? Can you get pregnant if you pull out? I mean, I guess it depends on where things land after that. How many ovaries does a woman have in her lifetime? I don't know, at least, like, five. Uh, let's go eight. What made you say eight? It's my lucky number. Do you think you're lucky right now? For, probably not. Okay, I don't think it could be any clearer there. <laughs> There's a lack of information um, out there, and that's a little shocking to me, I have to say. Oh, yeah, and... You know, you can meet young women and young men who don't understand that women have urethras, that they the place where we pee out of is different from the place where we have sex, right? Like that just the fundamentals of human biology are not being covered. Um, and as you can imagine, that leads to a lot of health problems, um, both emotionally and physically. Um, and I will say, like, we know that the kind of sex and relationships education that's provided for in the Healthy Youth Act among other things, has been shown to increase academic performance. And I think that's 
because when young people aren't worried about like what is going on in my body and do I feel safe and feeling getting all their information off of TikTok, they can feel calmer and more secure and do better in school. We are absolutely failing young people. I really think um, there's a lack of understanding of what a fire hose of misinformation there is. Some of it well-meaning and just wrong and some of it intentionally wrong on the internet for young people to find. When we don't teach them the accurate information about sex and relationships, there is a fire hose of misinformation for them to find at their fingertips. So Jennifer Hart, um, your organization, uh, Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts, uh, uh, or Planned Parenthood, uh, conducted a national analysis of state sex education policies, gave Massachusetts the neutral score, doesn't sound neutral to me, of zero. Um, And that goes along with information that I found shocking, that in the state we haven't updated our health standards in 24 years. So speak to me about that. What does zero mean? Uh, Massachusetts is clearly not leading in this. Um, Where do we stand the rest of the nation and 24 years. Wow. That's a long time. I know it's shocking really. Um, You know, Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts conducted a national landscape analysis of sex education policy by state and created scores. So the lowest was a negative five and the highest score that a state could get was a four positive four. Um, We analyzed all 50 states and DC for their support or restriction of abortion, LGBTQ plus rights, critical race theory, social emotional learning, and sex education. Um, And because Massachusetts has not passed the Healthy Youth Act, Massachusetts is neutral on sex education. And and that's what that zero is. It's, It's a neutral score. Massachusetts is one of only four states that are protective of abortion, but scored below a one on sex education. Um, so it's it's really shocking because even though we have really strong abortion protections um, and expansions of abortion uh, protections and LGBTQ plus rights, Massachusetts really is in the company of states with some of the most restrictive laws on the books against abortion, LGBTQ plus rights, social emotional learning and critical race theory. Um, so we really are far behind when Massachusetts is such a trailblazer on other topics. Um, and we have created one of the premier middle and high school sex education curricula at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts called Get Real Comprehensive Sex Education That Works, which is a middle school and high school curricula. We're in more than 300 schools in Massachusetts. It's taught in 44 states and six countries. Massachusetts is a trailblazer in so many of these areas, and really it's just time for Massachusetts to pass the Healthy Youth Act and stand up for young people's autonomy and and right to know information that is so critical to maintaining their health and well-being. So what we know in Massachusetts is that um, uh, despite your uh, statistics about overwhelming support from parents and wanting to have this taught and wanting to have it taught well. There is a uh, vocal opposition, small but vocal opposition, and it mirrors uh, some of the opposition across the country. As we said earlier, it was a little bit hard. In fact, it was impossible to hear back from some of our local people in the legislature who voted against this act. Um, but we wanted to uh, make sure that folks could hear 
what the opposition is concerned about. So first, let's hear from a parent in Wisconsin who spoke with the local station WLUK-TV about her opposition to the Healthy Youth Act bill in 2010. It really saddens me that this passed. As a parent, you know, all of us parents, who cares about our children more than we do? Who knows what's best for our children more than we do? And we would like a say in what our children are being taught. Not having it mandated on the state level, let us as a community decide what is best for our children in our community. Just want to underscore that the Healthy Youth Act in Massachusetts would allow parents to opt out. So they are having a very much a say about whether their child is being taught or not, it would allow schools to opt out. It's not required. It's something that would be offered um, with age-appropriate and accurate information. Now, I also want to play another clip. This is um, from Right to Life Radio in California, and the host, I want you to pay close attention to it, is discussing the California Healthy Youth Act, but um, he's mocking, actually, the broader, what he says is is the broader uh, kind of methodology, as he, as he puts it, of pushing kids towards sex education, which he believes will lead them then to engage in sex. So here's the clip from Right to Life Radio in California. Every single possible category of wellness that you can find, people do better if they restrict their sexual activity to this model. Abstinence before marriage, fidelity during marriage. The other way of teaching sexual sex ed is what's called sexual risk reduction. So it's not avoiding sexual risk, it's merely reducing it by promoting contraception, uh, condoms, and as the great backup plan, if contraception fails, abortion. So, um, just want to give people a sense of, you know, what would be the opposition, and um, and and you've heard uh, some of the points there. Do you want to respond, Jennifer? Yeah, thank you. I mean, the thing is, is that the opposition, there really is an opposition to comprehensive sex education per the research and the statistics that are out there. And the opposition that does exist is a minor, loud, yes, but minority of uh, representation of the parents and the young people and the educators that are out there in this country. Um, we know that comprehensive sex education works. It delays sex. It reduces rates of unintended pregnancy and STIs, sexually transmitted infections. It reduces rates of dating violence and it improves young people's overall health. We, we know this and what we do also know is that abstinence-only sex education or sexual risk avoidance or sexual risk reduction, which is the term that he used, is actually, it's a different way to name abstinence-only education. And their research strongly suggests that abstinence-only sex education, saying no, uh, using fear and shame and stigma tactics to teach um, about health and bodies and safety, um, leads young people to seek the information that they're actually looking for in these places like TikTok and the internet and and unvetted, um, not age appropriate or medically accurate sources online. So I would say, you know, you know, the one the first one that you mentioned talks about um 
the parents, right? And as I've mentioned a few times already, we know parents want, overwhelmingly want their young people to be safe and healthy and to receive this information. But what we also know is that parents, because of the shame and stigma around sexuality, around sex, around bodies, um, that even parents and adults don't have the information that they need. Um, while we do support them as the primary sexuality educators of their own children, we also know that parents and adults need information to share with their young people that is accurate, age appropriate, and fact-based. So we wanna partner with parents and families um, and schools to be able to provide the best information, the most comprehensive education, ways to talk about consent, boundaries, um, abstinence even. Abstinence is a tool in the toolbox of ways to prevent unintended pregnancy and STIs. It might not be the right fit for every person, but it's certainly discussed in comprehensive sex education curricula. Jacqueline, do you want to add anything? I mean, Jennifer covered it really well. The only thing I would add is that there's really no other subject in school where parents get to control the curriculum at the granular level as that parent wanted to, right? Parents don't get a say in what's being taught in physics or uh, algebra or uh, the literature class, English classes or, or any of that. Um, parents get a say by electing school committee members mm -hmm. um, and electing members of who might appoint uh State board, State board of Education folks, but like parents don't get to granularly control the curriculum because they trust experts to do that. And I think that one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about this is, is that the ability to effectively teach sex and relationships education is a real field that experts like the folks at Planned Parenthood of Massachusetts, right, like have developed this curriculum. And it's not by far the only curriculum that is can be used under the Healthy Youth Act, but it's one of them. Um, that we we know that there are particular ways to teach the subject matter that do promote health and healthy relationships and safety. And there are other ways to teach the subject matter that are really harmful. And that's why we look for experts to design curricula. And we don't just have every single parent have a veto pen over every what every other child gets in school. So I would just add to that, however, or put put this out there is that at the granular level across uh, some states and uh, some school committees, parents are inserting themselves around banning books and banning certain the teaching of certain kind of topics. And part one of those topics has become anything that's LGBTQ um, affirming. Let me put it that way. Part of this act uh, would set standards that are age appropriate and, and um, accurate, but also include information that um, would involve LGBTQ um, students. So I wonder if you think, I'll ask you first, um, Jacqueline, that maybe that's been a sticking point um, in a way that it might not have been if that were not explicitly a part of the bill. I'm sure it is for a small handful of people, but Massachusetts has a history of being a trailblazer in affirming and accepting LGBTQ people. And I don't know why we would think that would be different with sex education. Uh, LGBTQ students deserve to see themselves reflected in their own curriculum, just like everybody does. And we also know that it reduces bullying and abuse when even 
straight students get this education and understand that there are differences that exist in the world in terms of gender and sexual identity. And all they need to do is be respectful to people, even if they don't understand something, right? They just need to be, know that these, these identities exist, these folks exist. They may be in the classroom with them. It may be your teacher, it may be your parent, it may be your friend's parent. Um, you just need to know that they exist and then we're just going to be respectful across differences like that's that's what's in the curriculum and uh i would say for the small minority of folks who genuinely don't want their kids to learn to be respectful of other people across difference that's what the opt-out is for mm-hmm. so 12 years 12 years um advocates such as yourselves have been rolling this rock up the hill um and it's yet um to go through for it's not been completely dismissed, but we use the word floundering, and that appears to be more accurate. Um, but you have a sense, both of you, that this summer, it feels like maybe it'll be a go. I know that in April, um, Senator State Senator Sal Domenico reintroduced the bill, as I guess perhaps he and others have been doing for 12 years. But But here we are again. What's your sense about why this is a more opportune time Given that across the country, issues around sexuality, particularly around LGBTQ sexuality, are inflamed. And um, you've explained why it probably won't happen here in Massachusetts, but I'm just saying that's the backdrop of now this bill coming up yet again for approval. So, Jennifer, you can start. Yeah, thank you. You know, I think Massachusetts right now is very well poised to pass the Healthy Youth Act right now. We believe that the Healy administration is working um, in partnership with with DESE and other folks on updating um, the framework and, you know, the health framework and championing. We know that they're champions for LGBTQ plus rights and certainly for abortion and reproductive freedom in Massachusetts. So we have a strong supporter in the government, in Healy's administration. Um, and we just feel like it's time, right? Like we we have we have an administration that is supportive of these things. Massachusetts is a trailblazer in all of these areas. And now in a post-row landscape, we really need to double down on making sure that our young people have all the information that they need um, to be able to delay sex, to um, decrease unintended pregnancy, to um, improve their their own health overall. Um, If we believe in sexual and reproductive freedom for every person and that they have the ability to make their own healthcare decisions, then we must believe in giving young people the facts and the tools that they need to, to provide them with the ability to make safe and healthy decisions if and when they choose to become sexually active. And really it just gives them the ability to engage their autonomy to their fullest potential. Um, And it feels like all of the pieces of the puzzle are coming together with um, the support that the Commonwealth has given um, in all of these very uh, real and critical oppressions really of people's access to access their human rights and uh, we believe that it that it will happen in Massachusetts this summer. Jacqueline? Yeah I would just add to that that we have seen across the commonwealth but especially in central and western Massachusetts these fringe extremist groups ginning up 
unnecessary con controversies at school committee level, at the town level. Um, it's it's not just everywhere else. It's happening here. And we know that our allies in the state house also see that and know that this is needed more than ever so that LGBTQ students across the Commonwealth know that the state house has their back. And, and that's why, you know, we're hearing um, not just from Senator G. Domenico, but definitely from him, um, but also from uh, our lead sponsors in the House, Jim O'Day and Vanna Howard, that they're pushing harder than ever to make sure this gets uh, a speedy hearing and hopefully makes it to the floor of the House for a vote um, before the new school year starts, because an entire generation of students has started and then graduated from high school, started kindergarten and graduated from high school since the Healthy Youth Act was first introduced. And and students really just cannot wait anymore for this urgently needed education. So briefly, um, as we conclude, uh, there are other states like California, Illinois, and Oregon, Oregon who have passed similar bills. What's Has there been success as you uh, predicted will be in Massachusetts should, should it pass? here in Massachusetts. Um, Jennifer. Yes, I mean, with the passage of the Healthy Youth Act in these states, we have seen stronger curricula selection um, in California in particular. It's the one I'm most familiar with off the top of my head. Um, it provides access to federal funding in a way for states and, and school districts that aren't available to them um, necessarily in other, in other aspects. It just provides a greater avenue of communication, conversation, and access to the information that the young people have been deserving for, for for as long as they've been young people, right? And so these states coming into line with that has shown that they believe in young people taking age-appropriate information and making decisions that best suit their health and safety like they respect and support the autonomy of young people um, to do what's best for them without getting in the way of their education or their their health care decisions Jacqueline yeah I second that we, you don't have to look to California you can also look like I said to Boston and Worcester mm -hmm. where this kind of curricula is being taught um they are wildly embraced by the communities. You know, you can also find people who are still cranky about it, and those folks get to use the opt-out forms. Although I would encourage anyone who's looking at opting out to find out what's actually in the curriculum instead of just basing it on what you might have heard. Um, we know that young people, when they get this education, do better across so many factors. Um, and we also know that communities, when they take the step to start teaching this kind of sex and relationships education, there may be some initial brouhaha from people who oppose the, the basic principles here. But after a while, people understand, oh, this is actually what I want my kids to learn. I want my kids to learn about consent. I want my kids to learn about bullying prevention, right? I want my kids to understand their bodies and how to keep them safe. And so um, once that you get over that initial sort of politicized hurdle, communities really embrace this education because they see how it's supporting every young person in that community. All right, well, thank you both for joining me. Thank you so much for having this great conversation, Callie. Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity. Jennifer Hart is the Vice President of Education, Learning and Engagement at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts. And Jacqueline Friedman is the Chair of the Healthy Youth Act Coalition and Executive Director of Educate Us, a sex education advocacy organization. 
Coming up, from just 10 films its first year to this year's full roster of more than 84 films, the Roxbury International Film Festival has grown into a globally recognized event. Roxfest celebrates its 25th anniversary, highlighting films that uplift black stories from Boston to South Africa. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.